Han the story of Hanukkah takes us back about 2,200 years ago to the times that the Greeks ruled over Israel. At this time, Israel, there were various Greek kingdoms during this period. Israel was under the reign of the Seleucid Greeks who were based in Syria, in northern Syria, in Antioch. And the king at the time, his name was Antiochus. And so... And so the, um, many Jews at that time had given up parts of Judaism or adapted Greek culture. It was known as Hellenism, the Greek culture. They had, uh, they had adapted it. Most Jews, of course, were still faithful to Torah and to Judaism. And there was some friction land of Israel between the um, Hellenized Jews, those that had adapted Greek culture and the traditional Jews. But then Antiochus decided to make all Jews Hellenist, and he made various laws banning certain Jewish practices. And they took over the temple, they changed the service in the temple, um, allowing non-Cohens to perform the service, bringing idols, Hellenist idols into the temple, um, and they banned practices like circumcision, the keeping of eating kosher, um, the keeping Shabbos, and other practices were banned. Um, from the, were banned um, in Israel. And on the pain of death, many Jews were killed because they refused to follow the Hellenist um, culture and change their ways. And so they forced, many Jews went into hiding um, to practice Judaism, teach Torah, and practice Judaism in secret. So there was a small group of Kohanim, from the grandchildren of a Kohen Gadol, of a high priest called Yochanan Kohen Gadol, and um, led by Matis Yahu, um, who had been a Kohen Gadol, and they were from a family known as the Chashmonaim, and they began a rebellion, first in the small town that they came from near Jerusalem called Modi'in, and they began a rebellion against the Greeks, and they um, took to the hills and to the mountains, and attacked various Greek garrisons, and slowly but surely managed to win battles against the Greek garrisons, though they were greatly outnumbered and outgunned. They won many battle after battle, until finally they were able to drive the Greeks out of Israel, and now Jews were able to once again practice Judaism openly, without any fear, without any concern. And they came to the temple. The temple had been repurposed for Hellenist purposes during the Greek rule over the temple and um, many things in the temple had been um, uh, idols had been brought into the temple and many things had been ruined and among that all the oil that was used to light the menorah had been taken they had to build a new menorah but the, uh, all the oil that had been lit, used to light the menorah was all, um, had all, all the jugs had all been opened and since it was opened, they were now tamed, they were ritually impure, and therefore not able to be used to light the menorah. And they did not, could not find a sealed jug of oil, olive oil, anywhere to light the menorah in the temple until they uh, found one jug of oil, but it was only enough oil to light the menorah for one night. And so they lit the menorah for that night, and miraculously, it lasted for eight nights. And because of that, we celebrate the Hanukkah miracle, where we celebrate for eight days, starting with the first night they lit the menorah on the 25th of the month of Kislev, and we celebrate for eight days 
um, the holiday of Hanukkah. With wicks, you use wicks. You put a wick inside the oil and it lights. The wick lights. You just put it in oil and it lights. Yeah, the wick sits either at the edge of the um, of the bowl, or you can have a little wick holder that kind of floats on the oil, and uh, that way it lights. So olive oil is flammable. Olive oil is flammable. Yes. All oil is flammable. So we keep it in our cupboards in our house. It won't burst into flames if you light, put a match to it, but it will light if you put a wick inside. So Hanukkah, so Hanukkah stands unique among holidays of Judaism. All Jewish holidays have two very distinct features. Firstly, they involve special prayers in the synagogue. We have for every holiday, we have different prayers, different services that we do in the synagogue for, our, um, for the holiday. They also, every holiday, every holiday involves a festive dinner. There's always a dinner. Even most of our holidays are what we call biblical holidays mentioned in the Torah. Passover, Shavuot, Sukkot, Rosh Hashanah. Of course, the one that doesn't have a dinner is Yom Kippur, but it has plenty of services. Um, Then there are rabbinic, Hanukkah is a rabbinic holiday that came much later after the Torah was given. They are sages of the Sanhedrin, of the Supreme Council of Judaism, during the Second Temple period, when the Hanukkah story happened, they were the ones that created this holiday. The other rabbinic holiday that was created by the sages of the Sanhedrin, of the Supreme Council of Judaism, is Purim. Purim doesn't really have special prayers, but we read the Megillah. We have the Megillah reading, which is done in the synagogue, or a special service. Um, we have a special dinner that we do on uh, Purim. We have a special Purim dinner. Hanukkah, though, is unique. It's a holiday. Um, the other rabbinic holiday other than Purim. But yet, we don't have any special services. There's no special... Sometimes people call us and ask us when our Hanukkah service is. There is no Hanukkah service. We, have, we pray three times a day. But no, we don't have a special Hanukkah prayer. Um, we add certain additions to our prayer in honor of Hanukkah. There's no special Hanukkah prayer. And we also... There's no dinner. <coughs> It's the only Hanukkah, it's the only holiday in which there's no special dinner. No kiddush, no challah, no special dinner. <coughs> Instead, how do we celebrate? We light the menorah every night of Hanukkah. We light a menorah. Our custom is we light the shamash, and then the first night we light one candle. And the custom is every night we add one candle, so that on the eighth night of Hanukkah we light eight candles. And really, any candle can work for Hanukkah lighting, However, the tradition is, and many still try to do that, we use olive oil to commemorate the miracle of the original miracle, which was with olive oil. And indeed, in our store on Sepulveda, we sell ready-made olive oil um, containers that are with wicks in them, and you can just take off the top and light them, um, and you get 45, which is the total number that you need in order to light so we, we have sets over there of olive oil candles that you can light um, because of the tradition to light olive oil menorahs. We also, we don't have any special dinner on Hanukkah, but we do throw parties. There's no particular dinner with the Kiddush as we do on a regular Shabbat, on a regular festival. We do throw parties. 
And we don't have any specific foods that we need to eat or any specific prayers, any specific things that we do at our Hanukkah parties. Families throw them, communities throw them. But we do have a tradition to eat oily foods. We eat, Ashkenazic Jews always ate latkes, um, which are fried potatoes, um, oily. And Sephardic Jews always ate sufganiyot, um, the fried donuts. Uh, fri- so we always ate fried foods. Oily foods. So rather than prayers and dinners, we celebrate Hanukkah by burning and eating oil. It doesn't have to be olive oil. It doesn't have to be olive oil. Because olive oil cooked at a high temperature becomes rancid. Okay. It doesn't have to be oil. But yet, um, we, it seems that Hanukkah seems to have a unique... Um, connection to oil, to olive oil, but to oil in general seems to have a unique connection to oil. Of course, the miracle happened with oil, but Hanukkah seems to be very connected to oil. Why? Why is it so oily? So now on Jewish holidays, like Shabbat, for example, and all Jewish holidays, we begin our dinners first with Kiddush, right? We have make Kiddush on wine, and then right afterwards we eat Challah, we eat bread, right? We have a mechamotzi, we eat the bread. Hanukkah has no kiddush. We don't have wine. Purim doesn't have kiddush either. But on Purim, it's a, it's a, our sages said one should drink wine at our Purim meal. Hanukkah, you don't have to drink wine if you don't want to. Um, you also don't even have to have bread. You don't have to have, a, you don't have, to have challah or bread. So on Jewish holidays, though, we do have wine. And we do eat bread. Now, Kabbalah explains that each of these foods, bread, wine, and oil, all have unique representation. Bread has always been the staple food of society for generations. Today, already, bread has fallen out of fashion because we're anti-carbs. But for generations, for much of history, bread was the staple. That was the food people always ate. And so... In our spiritual relationship with God, it represents the standard relationship with God. It's what you eat every day. Wine, on the other hand, is something that you drink for special occasions. It's something that you have for celebrations. It represents our special, unique relationship with God. Special, unique times. On festivals, we have a special relationship, special holiness. Um, Or there's a special aura. On Shabbat, on festivals, we drink wine. Oil, though, is different than both bread and wine. Firstly, we don't usually drink or drink oil on its own. Oil is included as an ingredient in most foods. It's in everything we cook with, but we don't drink it on its own. We put it in everything else. In fact, just about everything naturally has oil in it. It's found in almost all plants have oil in them, Um, all animals, all meat has oil or fats in them, Um, many other natural materials have oil in them, oil seems to be everywhere. Today, of course, our world runs on oil, as we're discovering when the prices of oil go up. Um, It runs on oil from electricity, from gas, the plastics are all made out of oil, everything runs on oil. But oil is found deep within everything, but we don't usually use it on its own. 
And so oil then represents our deep, essential relationship with God. That's never out there in the open. It's not visible in the open, but it's deep down, a deep, powerful relationship with God. It is always there, deep down. And oil, therefore, is what we celebrate on Hanukkah. Why? If we take a deeper dive into the Hanukkah story, it will help us better understand this. The Hellenistic society that the Greeks lived in was a very, very advanced society. They had writing, they had poetry, they had wonderful books that they wrote early, early on. They had philosophers, they had mathematicians. They were very, very advanced, very wise society, even before the Greek empires. It had always been a very wise society. They brought democracy to the world. They gave us many brilliant things we have from the Greeks. And the Greek empires kept many of those valuable um, things, teachings, the mathematics, the astronomy, the philosophy, was found throughout these Greek empires. Egypt was famous, Alexandria as a center of learning, but all the Greek empires were famous for their knowledge, for their wealth of knowledge, their depth, And while, of course, Greek Hellenism had some values that clashed with Jewish values, many Greek values were lined up with, uh, were aligned with Jewish values. The love for learning, love for knowledge, right? The um, objective study, writing, being, um, being literate. There were many Greek values that did line up with our Jewish values. In fact, By the time of the Hanukkah story, about 2,200 years ago, there was already a Greek translation of the Torah called the Septuagint. There was an earlier, when Israel had previously been under Greek, Egyptian rule of the Ptolemies, who ruled, who were Greeks that ruled from Egypt. And one of the Ptolemy kings um, had 70 Jewish sages translate the Torah. Why 70 sages? He didn't trust, he didn't have them do it together as a team. He had each one do it separately. And then had his own scholars then go over all of them and create a version that merged them all because he didn't want any of them to cheat. He didn't want them to mistranslate. So if you have each one do it separately, then that way he thought he'd get it right. So the, that translation is known as the Septuagint, which is a, the translation of the 70. So that had been translated some time before the Hanukkah story. So by the time of the persecution that led to the Hanukkah miracle, the Greek translations of the Torah were widely available. An intellectual, intelligent Greek scholar would likely have been well-versed in the Torah, would have known, have read the Torah. So the Greeks were familiar with the Torah. They were able to even appreciate it. So in theory, when the Greeks captured Israel and Greeks moved to Israel, Greeks lived in in Israel, the meeting of these two great cultures, Jewish culture, which had Torah, had wisdom, had knowledge, and the Greeks who had their own Greek philosophy and sciences and their own wisdom, it should have created an amazing synergy. 
we would have had so much knowledge to give each other. And the truth is it did. We did a lot of Jewish Jews gained a lot, learned a lot from the Greeks. The Greeks learned a lot from the Jews. Um, we should have gotten along really, really well. Now, to be clear, there were certain things about the Greeks that totally clashed with Judaism. The Greeks were pagans. We believed, we, we believed in one God. Um, the Dr Greeks didn't believe in value of life the way Jews believe it. There were many values where Greek values clashed with Judaism. But in wisdom, the Greeks had the wisdom that we could have and did learn from, and they could have learned from. We have wisdom. They could have learned a lot for us. So why then did the Greeks work so hard rather than embrace Judaism? Why did they work so hard to stamp out Judaism? Why were they trying to erase Judaism? So a closer look at the story shows us that they actually didn't try to erase Judaism. In fact, the Greeks, part of pagan, Greek pagan culture was they took on any god of any place they came to. Every nation that they captured, they incorporated their god also into their group of gods. They incorporated other cultures as well. They did learn from other cultures, including from Judaism. And they allowed other nations to keep their own cultures alive and their own religions alive. And they were fine with that. And they were fine with Jews practicing Judaism. So they didn't have a problem with Judaism. They appreciated the rules, the teachings, the values of Judaism that created such a wonderful people and such a great society. Torah has many great teachings that non-Jews always admired, still till today. Uh, many non-Jews um, admire the wisdom of the Torah. But there's another part of Torah that the Greeks did not appreciate. And that is, Judaism is about building a relationship with God, with an abstract, infinite God. And we follow God's instructions, not because that way we will lead better lives, which we will, but because God told us to. We follow the Torah's teachings blindly because it helps us build a relationship with God whom we cannot relate to. It gives us a deep relationship with an infinite, abstract God. The Greeks had a big problem with that. They were okay with Judaism. They were okay with the teachings and the culture. They liked that but they had a big problem with our God. In fact, the Greeks called Jews atheists. That's where the name comes from. Atheist is Greek, right? It means no God, atheist, right? No God. Because we didn't have any gods as they knew. Our God was a non-God. You couldn't see him, couldn't make a statue of him, couldn't make a, take a picture of him. It wasn't a God as far as they were concerned. So they had trouble with our relationship with this, with our deep relationship with this God. Furthermore, in, our, in the Greek relationship with their God, essentially the gods are there to serve them. They use the gods to help them in war and to help them with um, food and to help them with health and they have different gods for everything. And the gods are there to serve them, to help them, help the people in different things. In Judaism, it's the other way around. God's not here for us. We don't practice Judaism in order to be able to live better lives. We do live better lives when we practice Judaism. But that's not why we do it. We practice Judaism because 
God wants us to. We were created in order to serve Him. He's not there for us. We are here for Him. So that's why we follow many rules of the Torah are beautiful. We understand them. We appreciate them. We value them. But not all of them. There are some rules of the Torah that we don't understand, that perhaps we struggle with. Doesn't matter. We're not doing good for ourselves. You can't say, I'm only going to follow the rules that I like. If it was for me, if I'm only doing Judaism because I like it, because it makes my life better, it makes me a better person, then I'd only do the rules that I like. You can't do that. You've got to do the rules that you like and the rules that you don't like. Because we're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for God. So this relationship, we're building an a-, a relationship with an abstract God that we cannot relate to. This God-centered life where we're not living for ourselves. God isn't there for us. Judaism is not there to serve us. But we are here to serve God. That was something that the Greeks really did not like. And that is something that they attempted to stop. And that's why they didn't ban all rules of Judaism. They banned rules like circumcision. They found circumcision as barbaric. They thought it's not right to circumcise a child. They're eight days old. You didn't even ask them if they want to be circumcised. What right do you have to circumcise a child? The truth is they have a point. (laughs) So why do we do it? Because God told us to do it, and that is our covenant with God. That's why we do it. There may be health benefits from circumcision. I don't know. They keep changing their mind about that. But that's not why we do it. We do it because God told us to do it. And because, um, because that's, we do it because that's how we build a relationship with God. They had a lot of trouble with that kind of mitzvah. They also had a, mitzvah, a lot of trouble with kosher. Kosher. Why? How come there's some foods you can eat and some foods you cannot eat? There's no logical reason to it. You could eat cows and you cannot eat pigs. You can eat an animal that was slaughtered in a certain way, but you can't eat if it wasn't slaughtered in a certain way. There's certain parts of the animal you can eat, certain parts you can't eat. You can, mi- you can eat milk, you can eat meat, but you can't mix them together. None of these things make any sense. They do, though. They make a lot of sense. They make a lot of sense. Yes. Okay. If you, if you look from a health point of view, like all the food that is not permitted... I would say keeping kosher is healthier, but not all kosher food is healthy. There's a lot of people that only eat kosher and eat very, very unhealthy. Not all kosher food is healthy. And you can eat non-kosher and eat very healthy. So why do we keep kosher? Because that's what we were told to do. And they didn't like that. Especially since you can't have dinner with your non-Jewish neighbor. Says, I want to, have, I want to invite you over dinner. I'm sorry, I can't. I got to bring my own food with me. I only eat kosher. They didn't like that. Separates us from them. But they didn't like that. They also said you can't keep Shabbos. Shabbos separates us. You want to do work? Um, you want to go? Let's go out tomorrow. Sorry, it's Saturday. We can't Shabbos. We keep Shabbos. We cannot. It's Shabbos. We cannot work tomorrow. It's, we cannot do things tomorrow. Sorry, I've got to take a day off. I'm off tomorrow. Don't bother me. Don't call me. I'm not going to answer the phone. They didn't like Shabbos either. It keeps us apart from other people. It reminds us of our relationship with God. So their issue was not Judaism. 
Their issue was the God within Judaism, the spirituality in Judaism, that we worship this abstract God that made no sense and that we followed him blindly, even things that didn't necessarily help us, didn't necessarily make our lives better. They admired the holy temple in Jerusalem. There were other peoples, the Babylonians, the Romans, that destroyed the temple. The Greeks admired the temple. They didn't destroy it. They didn't ruin it. They admired it. They loved temples. They built temples all over. But rather, they changed the service. They didn't like the way it was conducted. They added some idols in. They felt that a temple without statues is not a real temple. They couldn't believe that there was a temple with no statues in it. They threw in some statues. They changed other things about the service. One other mitzvah that they had a lot of issue with is the laws of Tumah and Tahara, which is ritual purity. We once did a class on this subject. It's a complex set of rules that if you come in contact with various things, you become Tameh ritually impure. And anything that comes in contact with it becomes Tameh and is unfit to be used in the service in the temple. So anything for that matter that was touched by non-Jews would become Tameh and would be unfit to be used in the service in the temple. So what the Greeks did is they broke, they didn't use the oil in the temple, they broke all the seals of the sealed jugs. Once the seals were broken, we don't know who touched the oil. The oil now becomes tamay, now becomes ritually impure. And so, um, as soon as they break the seals, they broke all the seals. So now none of that oil could be used in the service of the temple. They didn't believe in that. They thought those rules didn't make any sense, were separated us from them, and they didn't like that. So that's why they broke it all. So the battle of Hanukkah was not a battle to keep Judaism alive. They allow a Jewish practice. They allow many Jewish practices. They weren't like other peoples that got rid of all Jewish practice. They allowed Jewish practice. They only banned certain Jewish practice. Their issue was our relationship with God, the fact that we worship an abstract God, and the fact that we listen to Him blindly and do what He wants, not what we want. In other words, our God wasn't a man-made God that serves us. It was an abstract God that we serve Him. And so the small band of Hashmonaim fought back because they were ready to battle to save Judaism. They wanted to save Judaism, the real Judaism as we know it. And they fought and they won. They wouldn't compromise. They wouldn't compromise on the God component of Judaism. Without God, well, what's Judaism? And so they fought back. And even though the odds were against them, but God was on their side and they won battle after battle after battle until finally they were able to liberate Jerusalem and come back to the Holy Temple where they smashed all the idols they changed everything that had become Tameh, that had been ritually defiled, but they ran into a problem. There was no oil. They couldn't have had no oil to light the menorah. And so they wanted to light the menorah. They searched and searched and searched, and all they found was one jug of oil that still had the seal on it, and they knew what Tahor was ritually pure because it still had a seal on it. And they used that jug. They lit it for one day. Miraculously, it lasted for eight days. So now we celebrate Hanukkah because of the miracle of the oil. But why did the miracle happen with oil? And why is oil the central theme of Hanukkah? 
Because Kabbalah tells us that while bread is our regular relationship with God, is that what we do every day, our daily practice, wine represents our unique special relationship with God that we have from time to time. Oil represents that deep relationship with God that is always there and never goes away. What we could call the God within Judaism. The God factor. The fact that we do the mitzvot, not because we feel like or because we like them, but because God wants us to do them. Because we build a relationship and a connection with Him. And that is, in, that is, rep found in, that is represented by oil. Oil is found in everything. We don't necessarily, you don't see God in every mitzvah that we do. The mitzvahs that we do are various things. We light a menorah. We eat kosher. We're just eating food. We don't necessarily, we're just doing things. But deep within it is that knowledge that why are we doing it? Because God told us to do this and with it we build a relationship with Him. And so oil is found in, it's hidden, but it's inside everything. And so we have that within us as well. Another very interesting thing about oil is, how do you extract oil? Pressure. You need to press things. The only way you extract it is to press things. So often, you can go through your day-to-day, year-by-day-by-day, year-by-year, and you're Jewish, and you follow the commandments of doing everything you're supposed to, but you don't pay so much attention to the fact that you're building a relationship with God, because you're just... In the grind, you're used to doing it. You just keep doing it. You don't pay attention to it. But then you fall under pressure and someone says, come, let's go to dinner. And you say, no, I can't. I only keep kosher. Or you're in a challenging situation where you're someone you're pressured not to keep Shabbos or another mitzvah. You're in a very challenging situation. And over there you say, no, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to do the right thing, do whatever I'm saying, follow God's, stay connected to God, that is when you wake up and you remind yourself about that deep relationship that we have. Doesn't matter, even though it's uncomfortable, even though it's sometimes difficult to do a mitzvah, I'm going to do it anyway, because that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's what God wants of me right now. That's building my relationship with God. It's going to offend my neighbor because I can't eat lunch with them. Unless they come with me to the kosher restaurant, which they don't want to go to. Or unless they come over to my home or let me bring my own food. It doesn't matter. So when we fall under pressure, that's when it brings out the oil in that deep relationship with God. Yes, Susan? Um, hopefully I, I, I was busy getting food when you started, so hopefully I'm not repeating something. Um, when you say a menorah would not be lit, that's different than a Hanukkah with Yes, the menorah in the temple had seven branches. So it looks different than our Hanukkah menorah, which has eight, because we have eight nights, and on the last night we want to light the candles. And so, is that supposed to burn, like, eternally? Like, never... never the menorah in the temple. I'm sorry? In the one in the temple you're referring to. Yes. Yes, it burned every single night as long as the temple stood. Once the temple was destroyed, we no longer lit it. So I remember... Every synagogue has Every an eternal light, yes. yes. And it's lit by electricity, however. Now it's lit by electricity, okay. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, 
But but just a memory, right? Yes, yes. It's just to just to remind us. Yes. Yes. What you're saying is to follow blindly, um, just because God said it, we should do it. But isn't it good to think about why God wanted us to do particular things? Um, it probably made a lot of sense. That's an Instead excellent question. Should we just follow blindly, or should we think about why things make sense? So a couple months ago, we did a class about why some rules in Judaism make no sense, and we spoke about this in detail. But I'm just going to give you a quick one-line answer, a one-minute answer. Um, we actually, God gave us many commandments, 613. Most of them, we do know why, do make sense, and we understand why. Some of them, many of them, we don't. Kosher is the classic example that has no logical reason to it. Most of the parts, most rules within kosher. Kosher is many, it's a whole genre, a whole group of rules. But most of the laws of kosher don't, we don't know why. But there are many mitzvot, like Shabbos. Why do we keep Shabbos? To remind us how God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh, right? Why do we keep Passover? To remember the Exodus, right? So most mitzvot, we do have reasons. Now, God did give us reasons for mitzvot because it's not enough just to follow blindly. Because if you follow things blindly, you don't appreciate and value what you're doing. When you understand why you're doing it, it's easier. You appreciate it. You value it. It becomes more meaningful. That's why for most of the commandments, he did give us reasons. But even so, even when it doesn't, we don't understand, we do it anyway because that's what God called us. And even the commandments that we do have reasons for, but sometimes it's very difficult to follow. And we still do it then even in those difficult situations because that's what God told us to do. So we have both. <coughs> so on Hanukkah, we are not just celebrating that Judaism survived the Greek persecution and thrived after we managed to defeat the Greeks and appreciate those who are willing to fight for Judaism. It's more than that. On Hanukkah, we are celebrating the spirituality of Judaism, the soul of Judaism. That's why we're celebrating oil representing the soul of Judaism. Judaism is, there's a lot of culture, a lot of tradition. Unfortunately, for many Jews today, their Judaism has become all about the culture, about eating certain foods about perhaps certain Jewish values they appreciate, about certain Jewish practices that my mother did, my grandmother did. And it becomes about the culture. The truth is, a couple months ago we did a class on Jewish foods. Many Jewish foods are actually not Jewish, but come from various parts of the world where Jews live. Not all, but many. So there are, but a lot, for many Jews, Judaism has become about the culture. They celebrate various things, but they've lost the spirituality within Judaism. They've lost the God within Judaism. Many people even study the wisdom of the Torah because it's a brilliant book, brilliant teachings. You have many books of the oral tradition, brilliant teachings. And there's a lot of lessons we can learn from it. It's very, it makes us very wise. 
but they, but they are missing the spirituality. They're forgetting that Judaism is not just about eating matzah on Passover and eating latkes on Hanukkah and lighting a menorah and lighting a menorah. And um, it's not just about those things. Judaism is not just, I think, in a Pew Research majority of more than 50% of Jews surveyed felt that a central value in Judaism is being funny. Being funny? Being funny. So most Jews believe that, apparently. Um, sorry? So, so the Jews are, being funny is good because we, joy is a Jewish value. But that's not a bad thing. But it's important to remember that Judaism is not just about that. It's not only about being funny. Many Jews feel that it's about fighting the anti-Semites. But Judaism, as we said in our recent class on anti-Semitism, is, just, is not just about fighting those who don't like Judaism. It's, just not, it's not just about being anti-anti-Jewish, those that are being against those that are anti-Jewish. It's not about just about the culture. It's important to remember that they fought on Hanukkah, not for ha- Jewish culture. Jewish culture was allowed in Hellenist Greek times. It was allowed in the period when they persecuted Judaism. It wasn't the culture that they had an issue with. It was the God they had an issue with. In recent times, the Soviet Union was a similar problem. In the Soviet Union, they had Yiddish newspapers. And they had Yiddish theater. And they celebrated Jewish culture in the Soviet Union. As they celebrated the culture of the many other peoples that lived in the Soviet Union. But they had a problem with God, right? They were anti-God. Their issue was with the spirituality within Judaism. So on Hanukkah, we are celebrating not Jewish culture. We're celebrating the God within Judaism. That's why we celebrate oil. We're here not just because we enjoy being Jewish, and we do enjoy being Jewish, but that's not why we're here. We're here not just because the Torah is brilliant, and it is brilliant, but that's not why we're here. We're here because our ancestors made a covenant with God and connected to Him and He gave us certain commandments. And we continue to be, have that, continue that covenant, that relationship with God. And we continue to connect to Him and fulfill His mission on earth through following His commandments. Yes. And yes. this is the reason why we have to accept things, because we are really very limited. We are very not good. that smart. Very good point, Nilia. We spoke about it when we did the class. We spoke about it. Thank you, Nilia. We spoke about it when we did a class about why Judaism. We did a class about why Judaism makes no sense, or parts of Judaism. And we spoke about exactly that point that, yes. We don't know everything and we don't understand everything and sometimes we need to accept. Absolutely. You're absolutely right and there's a balance there. Um, but the central theme of Hanukkah is remembering that relationship with God. Yeah. 
Now, within Torah, there are different parts of the Torah that God gave us. The Torah, the bulk of the Torah, is laws, the laws that God gave us, the, and the analysis of those laws, the history, the stories of the Torah, and the stories of the Midrashim since, and the values and the inspirational lessons are all part of the Torah that God gave us. But one can study all those things without actually believing in God. You can study the laws, very interesting. Study the history, fascinating is our history. Be inspired without actually connecting to God, without thinking about God at all. There's a mystical side of Torah. There's a deeper side of Torah. The mystical side of Torah talks about God and God's relationship with people. God's relationship with creation. And our role in our relationship with God. Now for a big part of Jewish history, that mystical side of God was very hard to understand. Very hard to relate to. Very hard to connect to. It was referred to as Kabbalah. And the mystical side of Judaism, very hard to connect to. But in the last few hundred years, with the beginning of a new field called Chassidus, Chassidic teachings, which took those deep mystical concepts of the relationship between creation and creator, and how God is found within us, and between the, within the various mitzvot, within the various commandments that we perform and we're commanded to, and with various, within various teachings of the Torah, and our relationship with God, made, Chassidus took those deep ideas and explained them in very simple, easy to understand words that anybody can relate to, and anybody is able to study. So in a sense, the Torah itself has the bread and the wine of the Torah, in other words, the staple, the basic part of the Torah that anybody can relate, that it was always easy to follow, easy to understand, and then there is the deeper part of the Torah, which is about <laughs> how God is found within Judaism and God's relationship with us. And, and that is found in the teachings of Chassidus. And so to really appreciate that deep, powerful connection with Judaism, to really appreciate the God within Judaism to understand and appreciate the spirituality, that it shouldn't just be culture. We can tell ourselves, I'm doing this because of God, and I know of God, and I believe in God, but to really understand it and appreciate it, one needs to begin to study the mystical science of, side of Judaism, so the teachings of Chassidus. And for that reason, we teach, I teach a number of classes on, about the mystical parts of Judaism, and uh, we've had some of our JLI classes, some of our Wednesday classes. We're going to be doing a class in um, February about uh, meditation and Judaism. We'll talk about the more mystical side of Judaism. We also have a number of other classes. But it's something that we should all study and we should all learn to learn about the God within uh, Judaism. So, to, so to, to leave today, we should remember that Hanukkah is about, we celebrate oil to remind us that Hanukkah is not celebrating Jewish culture. It's not celebrating Jewish wisdom. It's about celebrating the spirituality and the God within Judaism. And unfortunately, today we live in a time that many people love Jewish culture and Jewish wisdom, but have forgotten about 
God within Judaism, the key ingredient. They've forgotten about the oil within Judaism. And so on Hanukkah, it's a time to remind ourselves we live that and can reconnect to the God within Judaism.